Hello, welcome, foolish mortals. I am your hostess with the mostest, and welcome to KBBL Channel 3 Public Access Radio. I am Ubarella, and I'll be your guide through the mystic and macabre and the absurd in today's episode. Welcome! <laughs> It's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, the weekly pop culture horror queer show where we talk the best and worst the horror genre has to offer. We come to you live from the TCQ Video Store, your favorite VHS rental spot, where you can pick up the horror classics for only 69 cents a day. (laughs) I like my men just like I like my cakes, baked and frosted. My name is Raymond. Ooh, wee. (laughs) And I'm not just a great pair of legs. I'm a great pair of tits, too. My name is Nicholas. I'm a great pair of boobs. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Welcome, everybody. This is the technical. Oh, God. We got shifted around, everybody. I apologize. It was a wild week. Technical I know. Errors. Technical errors. We took a week off, and now we're back. So this is going to technically be our third week (laughs) in our april fool's month thank you for everybody coming out on our 420 special episode it was the stoner olympics are your lungs okay is everybody good after the 420 episode 420 it was so fun (laughs) it was our what's the word in inauguration of our stoner olympics um, my lungs are still repairing, but that didn't stop me from smoking. I <laughs> have not laughed that hard after the bong rip. That is, <laughs> and that's how we started. Why did we, we think out. of that? Why didn't we think not just start like that? Great idea. Just shouldn't have started out the episode that way because we were dying for the rest of the episode. So sorry, y'all, for coughing in your ear for like an hour. Thank you, Dinkin Dudley. Thank you, Stony Horror. Thank you, everybody. We highly appreciated it. It was fan-fucking-tastic. I loved our 420 in our first year. This completely, ah, uh, topped it. Uh, she topped her so oh. hard. Uh. We're so verse. <laughs> Look, Mom. <laughs> my top. <laughs> no! <laughs> I absolutely love 420. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. It was an absolute blast. I cannot wait to continue our comedic rise with that is this wonderful subgenre of horror comedies so everybody get ready quaff your hair as high as we can get it make sure to push those tits out and prepare your most excellent one-liners this week's recommended rental is horror comedy just busting at the seams with laughter it's time to talk about 1988's alvira mistress of the dark and now our feature presentation This 80s comedic classic is available on many streaming sites, surprisingly enough. Uh, We have Prime Video, AMC+, Hoopla, Tube, Plex, and the one and only horror streaming site, Shudder. Did you make some of these up? I know, they sound Hoopla. Hoopla. 
Two. I want to say that's tub and plex. I've never heard. Mark, your words. I'm so happy this is happening at the get end of this season. You remember how season two opened? <laughs> how long we got plagued by fub by fubu, fuba, whatever. We still can't remember its name. It became the longest, stupidest, non-existent running joke, running joke to only <laughs> us two. Like we're the only two <laughs> laughing at it. So don't dare your curse, Hoopla. Tuba There's back. at least one listener laughing. <laughs> hey, if it's got Elvira, I got to show some respect. So absolutely, let's pay our respects when we head on over to everybody's favorite segment. Four twenty. What you smoking? What did you smoke with this week's tubular, boobular, tits, bazongas, gazingas, melons, hooters? What do you call them, Max? Yabos. <laughs> um, this week, okay. So, without giving my feelings away, I, this movie holds a special place in my heart. So, I wanted to be nice and crumb blasted, as we haven't said in quite a while. Um, oh, I know. So, I accidentally made myself like a salad, if you will, because I had originally threw in. Um, Wow, that weed hit. I had originally threw in some animal mints, which is a sativa, and I ground some up. And then when I opened it, I was like, oh, there was some in here. Cause I was like, I didn't ground up that much. So it was mixed with mystery weed from the night before. Ooh, it was a sativa. You'll never know until it hits. <laughs> so it's kind of like a fun grab bag mystery salad, if you will. Um, but she got the job done. I had a blast watching this movie. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, this week, I smoked whatever my friend let me smoke. Hello, Cam. I know you're listening. Um, she came over and she helped me get extremely high, but then I ended up watching it later, and I was still feeling the effects of said j- joint, whatever it was, and I paired it with my craft cartridges because I like to feel good, and I had to be as stony as possible because this movie, oh, mwah, this movie i am so stoked i'm so happy that we included it in our april fool's month it absolutely deserves to be in a horror comedy month i feel like Mm -hmm. it's one of the pinnacles for me especially since it's so 80s and you know how i feel about 80s horror movies we haven't done one in a minute and like it's since january and here i'm like (laughs) oh i'm so famished for an 80s movie (laughs) it is it's so quintessential 80s and it's like you said quintessential horror comedy and i may be a controversial statement but i think it's like one of the first at least like one that's like spoofing kind of um what's the word i'm looking for spoofing horror i guess it was monster squad i know it's something i'm gonna bring up i fucking monster squad transylvania 6000 um the the list can go on i i don't want to diminish that i don't want to say that no it's not one of the first i would say that it's one of the ones that have outlasted in my eye and my queer gothy eye because Elvira is such a both a sex symbol but a gay like like icon and I love it I love it I didn't mean to interrupt I apologize she's the drag queen yes she the queens love drag queens we love drag queens and she is in fact a drag queen with one-liners terrific one-liners and not to, I, I'm gonna get into it because I, Alvira as a character for me, and definitely I know for you, is one of the ultimates. And just she is, she is for me my favorite. And she always gets compared because she is kind of like a 
a parody of like Vampira <laughs> of uh-huh. uh, who else am I thinking of? Um, Morticia. Morticia, Morticia Adams. They all live within those same realms. Like Millie, uh, the monster. What's her name? Lily, Lily Monster. Mm-hmm. Lily Monster. They they're all kind of within the same realm, but Alvira specifically knows that and loves mm-hmm. to play with it. Yes, I, it's very self-referential, I guess, if you will, and meta before meta <laughs> was like a thing. I love it. It's so it's so wonderful. What was your first interaction with this movie? Do you remember at all? Funny enough, I knew of Elvira, like the character, the night before I knew of her movie. Um, and but this so this, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit. This movie came out when I was born, so by the time I grew up, I was like, I've always, Avira has always been a thing to me throughout my entire life because that's when she broke out was when I was born. And till this day, she's still running the Avira shtick. I so love it. I'm just like, in my entire life, that's how I've known her. As Avira, she's just always been somewhere embedded in pop culture as well as horror culture. And I, I don't know when my first like, like when the first time I saw her was, I just remember her always being there. Like she was always popping up as like cameos and shit. And TV and ads and yeah. sponsorships. She's everywhere. She, she had a long running show off and on at Not Scary Farm. And she's just, she is the moment. She's the, she's, moment. She's the forever moment, not just a moment. She is the forever. She is the mistress. Um. For myself, I got introduced to Elvira from you. And I guess that's just like a running thing theme on the show. <laughs> it should have been like terrorizing my nephew is the name of our show. <laughs> but I remember you showing me Elvira. And from then on, it's just like an obsession. How could you not? She For, for gay icons, a lot of us kind of gravitate to over, overtly sexual women in charge of their bodies, mm-hmm. not afraid to weaponize it, to... Be authentically themselves, proud, strong, badass women. And that is what Elvira is with a rock edge, essentially. And that's why we love her. Like it's and now that she's come like essentially another Elvira Renaissance. And her coming out and her now officially being within like the queer community, it is just so many good things. Like it's just like like a full circle moment. Yes. (laughs) If it's it's all good things, all good things. But let's talk about this pinnacle and pop culture. So let's check out the VHS's special features and find out how this movie was made. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, released September 30th on 1988. It has a runtime of one hour and 36 minutes. It is rated, for me, surprising, PG-13. Not saying that like, it should be rated harder. It's just like it walks a very fine uh-huh. edge of PG thirteen. It was the eighties, but you were allowed to get away with much more back then. True, especially if it true. wasn't like a Disney affiliated company, you could get away with so much. This is true. Moving on to our favorite taglines: unpleasant dreams. Here comes Elvira. There goes the neighborhood. Elvira makes her big screen debut in her hot new comedy. Here's something you'll want to pick up. Elvira busts out in her outrageously funny feature film debut. They're 80s, I'll tell you that much. I like the unpleasant dreams. Mm -hmm. 
It's her shtick. I also like here comes Elvira. There goes the neighborhood. I think those are fine. Stop sentence. For our director, we have James Signorelli, who at the time only had one credit to his name, a Rodney Danger. <laughs> really? <laughs> I can <laughs> sorry, I just said that. A Rodney Danger feels <laughs> sorry comedy, but have been working on Saturday Night Live since 1977. And he would continue to do so even until this very day. Isn't that cool? That's a long career. Isn't that rad? I think that's neat. Uh I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry that until that point you'd only worked with Rodney Dangerfield. Okay. As bad as that is and as horrible as it is, it's hot shit at the time, okay? What movie hot was it, shit. do you know? I don't, I I didn't care to look it down because the only thing I really remember about Rodney Dangerfield is the Rodney Dangerfield rap. Because he's a rap. <gasps> the Rodney Dangerfield, it's a rap. I do not know about the da- <laughs> <laughs> I do not know about the Rodney Dangerfield rap. I do know Rodney Dangerfield from Ladybugs. Our script was written by Sam Egan, John Paragon, and... Elvira, the mistress herself, Cassandra Peterson. Of course. Of course, of course she had a hand in the writing because she this is, is the her character. character. She yeah. is the one and only. So speaking of which, our cast starring the one and only mistress of the dark herself, Cassandra Peterson as Elvira and Woo. also as the great aunt Morgana Talbot. Talbot. Woo. Talbot? Talbot. 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 Okay. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! W. Morgan Shepard as great uncle Vincent Talbot. Daniel Green as Bob Redding. Uh, I'll say that mm. right now. I'm going to say it multiple times. As a mm. God damn. Mm. His ass is so high. It he is looks, physically so high. He looks like a Tom of Finland painting. He does. Stop. There's a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Susan Kellerman as Patty. Eddie McClurg as Chastity Pariah. Robert Benedetti as Mr. Calvin Cobb. Kurt Fuller as Mr. Gloater. Jeff Conaway as Travis. Frank Collinson as Billy, William Duell as Leslie Meeker, Pat Crawford Brown as Mrs. Meeker, Ellen Dunning as Robin Meeker, Chris Cam as Randy, Scott Morris as Sean, Ira Heaton as Bo. Come through Dream Warriors. We stand. We love. We we stand. Thank you. He's the nerdy kid with the glasses in this movie. He's the nerdy kid with the glasses. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I guess. Tress McNeil as Anchorwoman and the voice of great Aunt Morgana Talbot. We also have Phil Rubenstein as the director. Go team. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in this cast. And I just want to say, I love it. I think everybody here is so fun. Okay, moving on to reviews. IMDb gave it a 6.5 out of 10. On Metacritic, it averaged a 43 out of 100. Our enemies over at Letterboxd. I hate you. On Rotten Tomatoes, an average of 50% on the tomato meter and a 65% audience score. Let's talk about it. Why? These are for this this movie's not for everybody. I will I will just say that this movie's not for everybody. This movie's not even for everybody in the horror community. I know I, there have been people who don't like this movie and you could be wrong. <laughs> you, you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> I can see why people don't gravitate to this movie. It's so sticky. It's so campy. It's so cheesy. Mm-hmm. But that's the character. That has yeah. always been this type of tongue-in-cheek towards horror that this movie does. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. It's a great time. It's just fun. What's, why don't people like to have fun anymore? Jesus. Just let people have fun. I don't know. I... I guess if you are not familiar with the character of Elvira, 
you definitely wouldn't understand the concept of the film and you wouldn't understand the character because to me, and I'm sure I'm correct on this, to Elvira, this whole goth look and the way that they live and this whole aesthetic is totally normal to them. They don't know anything else. So this whole getup and the way that they dress and beat their face every day is like how they go out every day. This is how they live their life. So when people are shocked and appalled when they see her, and she's just like, what? Like I came out to buy some bread. Like <laughs> like anybody else. And I think that's why Avirus just speaks to so many people who feel like outcasts because she is essentially an outcast just doing her thing, living her life, being herself and other people don't like it. And she says, tough titties, suck on this tit. And mm. I love that about her. I love that about Elvira. She absolutely knows what she's doing. I just find it interesting because during this time period, like slapstick comedies are a big thing. It still leaks into the 90s. Mm. Like this and for me, you can argue with me, I don't give a f is in vain of like dumb and dumber, that stupid, silly slapstick, like it it's ridiculous in its nature but that's the point of it like it lives in the yeah. realm of like peewee's playhouse but alvira oh, lives down the lane next to the liquor store you know what i mean it's like um uh, peewee herman lives on this block but alvira lives on the next block over next to the monsters yes um, yes yes so i i i i I mean, obviously, we love this movie. So we totally get the vibes. Mm -hmm. I just, we just both know that there are people within the horror community. I know that there are people within the horror community. It's genuinely younger people who don't like get it, appre appreciate or don't get it. Yeah. Uh. And so I'm just like, well, you know, educate yourself. Yeah. Aha, not my problem. So I guess that's your warning now. Like, it's <laughs> like you're gonna hear what the rest of this has to say. What we have to say. For our budget, we have a budget of an estimated 7.5 million with a gross worldwide income of about 5 million. I will say this has definitely become a cult classic. Mm -hmm. And it, if you love it, you love it. If you don't, you don't. Get over it. Get over it, Hag. So to talk about this film, we must discuss the immaculate and ever glamorous mistress of the dark herself, Cassandra Peterson. Before becoming our glamour ghoul, she was at first a showgirl in Vegas, dating Elvis for a hot minute as well, and then moving to Italy in the 70s, where she would become a lead singer of an Italian rock band. But by 1979, she moved to LA and joined the infamous improv troupe, The Groundlings. There, she would create her Valley Girl-type character upon whom Elvira would be largely based. I still get, get, gonna get my hands on her autobiography. I wanna know everything Same. about this woman. I want to know everything. I am obsessed. I didn't know. So I knew about the Groundlings. I didn't realize everything prior to Groundlings. I didn't realize she was a showgirl, which makes total sense because those humongous knockers. Oh, I know. She started when she was 17. She oh, got permission hey. from her parents to join, uh, at the time, a very infamous, like, uh, I don't want to say genre changing. I'm trying to figure out the way to say it within, like, show business. I'm going to say groundbreaking showgirl review that really kind of like mm -hmm. warped what Vegas we kind of know now. So doing great things, dating Elvis. That's wild. She said, yeah, she said they went on a date. I think a date. And then becoming the lead singer of an Italian rock band. That's so Badass. rock. She's so cool. <laughs> I love her. I love her. I, I'm going to go on a quick tangent, but like I just, I had the, the great, not permission. Why well, I got too high. Honor. Honor. Thank you. Pleasure of going and seeing one of her last shows at Not Scary Farm. And it was show stopping, bitch. I like the way that she still came out and was 
running out there in heels and like still up in full drags, honey, like with their tits out, hair so coiffed, and still so hilarious and irreverent. Like I, I just I'm gobsmacked at her. So I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan. Same, 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 same. She's got a point. She's an icon. She's a legend, and she is the moment. Now, come on now. From there, she became KHJ TV horror host. It would be up to Peterson to create her role's image. Her best friend Robert Redding and Peterson would come up with the sexy punk slash vampire look. From here, a dark goddess was born. Her character would rapidly gain notoriety. Her quick-witted humor, frequent jokes about her cleavage, and her iconic low-cut gown became staples for Elvira. For Elvira. Do you want to talk about the do you want to talk about the fit real quick? Okay. So she was already on the trend of branding before like branding had even become a humongous thing. So her silhouette, her witty one-liners and comebacks, um, her sex appeal, it this was all fully engulfed into this image and this character that she created. And it's great. Cause you can mm-hmm. just like, go up there, put on, it's essentially like putting on a mask, putting a on this stamp. character. And then it's, it's great. I love it. I love this character. It's stamped not only, not only in horror history, but in pop culture, like pop cult, ah, pop culture history. When you're made, when you're made fun of on the Simpsons, you know, you made it. So it's, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. It's so just like homage to like 1950s dark macabre women. Mm-hmm. With just like uh, wah, wah, you know what I'm talking about, like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like updated for the '80s. The '80s were sex sold, you know, and she mm-hmm. knew that. I love it. I love it. I love her humor. I love the jokes. Honestly, half of Drag Race owes in part to Elvira <laughs> yeah. because Rue still uses this. I was watching the movie and I'm like, wow. They, they are still reusing these same mm-hmm. exact jokes on RuPaul's Drag Race literally this season. So is it's like, still, <laughs> it still land is the, is the crazy thing is that these jokes from the 80s still land. <laughs> it's, if that isn't proof enough to her, to her stamp in pop culture, I don't know what you need. I don't know what you need because Peterson has been quoted about this character. She stated, I figured out that Elvira is me when I was a teenager. She's a spastic girl. I just say what I feel and people seem to enjoy it. And yeah, yes, yes. A woman who speaks her mind. I want more, I want Mm -hmm. more. And she, her character very is spastic. And you know, she kind of does have this like ditzy kind of teenage humor to her. And I can totally see the Valley Girl influence of the eighties, all of it. I see all of the influence. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Her popularity grew in the 1980s and throughout the nineties. We're talking costumes, comic books, action figures, trading cards, pin ball machines. Elvira's popularity would reach new heights with her 1988 feature film, Avira, Mistress of the Dark. Look at that segue. Wow. Mm, we'd love to see it. This makes sense of, of why I like just grew to love her because she was really big in the 90s. And mm-hmm. I am a child of the 90s. So like I said, she was just all over the place. You even said she was spooked on The Simpsons. I remember that. They call, That's why I called her Booberella because that's what they called her in The Simpsons. And she, I think also reason why she like circulated around you is that she started in LA. Like Elvira was born in LA. So to me, she is LA. She's up there with Evangeline, honestly, in my brain of like Angel- LA. Angeline. Angelique? Angeline. 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 A. 
stapled in my brain of like LA icons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hello, groundlings. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to production. With the virus popularity skyrocketing, there began plans for a spinoff. NBC originally wanted to create a sitcom around her character. However, Peterson had her heart set on bringing the character to the big screen hello those tits will not fit on a tv <laughs> they are meant for cinemascope we're just busting out of the scene <laughs> oh, the boob tube can't keep up exactly peterson and frequent writing collaborator john paragon whom the two met while working in the groundlings would be brought on for writing well apparently after the first draft a group of teenagers were added into the script at the insistence of the studio executives apparently this was like a way to try and gain teen audiences Mm -hmm. resulting in many other characters having their roles reduced and i would have loved to know more about these characters because they're hilarious a sounds like a studio B, yeah. teens were going to come anyway. Do you not see the freaking rack on her? <laughs> For real. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it just it happens across the board. Studios are always going to butt in and, you know, infringe on your on creative juices. Slow. Yeah. And um, just to make money. And I'm not necessarily mad at the inclusion of the teenagers. I think they worked it in fairly well that it doesn't like feel out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I agree. I see the uh, I see the end both ends of the spectrum. I see why they wanted to appeal more to teenagers, but I also see your point as in the rack on Elvira would have got the teen boys in the seats anyways. I mean, come on now. Look at the material. Look at the material. While the script was in progress and the hunt for a director began, one of the most infamous ones was after appearing in a small part in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Peterson believed that Tim Burton would have been the perfect choice to direct the film. But unfortunately, he got tied to the production of Beetlejuice. So, yes, a win-lose. Can you imagine I if Tim lost. Burton had directed this? I mean, like, no, no shade. We both love this movie already. But it would have been a completely different beast. I would have gagged. I would have gagged. I would have. I don't know what I would have done with myself. That probably would have been like my favorite movie of all time. Because like really Elvira, Tim Burton smashed together in the 80s, specifically Tim Burton in Mm -hmm. the 80s. Holy Mm -hmm. me in my ass. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. I mean, there's still time. There's still time. I'm putting that into universe. There's still time for a Tim Burton Elvira collab. So, as unfortunately, since Tim Burton wasn't available, they would then tap James Signorelli, who at the time had only, like we stated, directed one film and was working at SNL. And I think it was in good hands. I think having someone from an SNL background, Groundlings, hello, those perfectly marry together. So this makes sense to me. I agree. I mean, obviously, because um, I don't want to keep calling her Elvira. Uh, Cassandra Pearson is from the Groundlings and... It, hello, SNL skits, Groundlings, it all goes hand in hand. I feel like the direct, this movie was in great hands with him. I think so too. When it came to casting, Peterson would hire many associates from the Groundlings. This would have included Paul Rubens, aka Pee-wee, but he wasn't able to do so because he was too busy filming Big Top Pee-wee. Another great, I'm, a, I'm actually like nobody really, I haven't mentioned on the pod, I'm actually a pretty big Pee-wee Herman fan. You are a very big Pee-wee Herman stand. I'm not, I don't have no judgments. Do your thing. <laughs> People love Pee-wee. I can't, yeah. terrible. He terrible. freaks me out. I'm not going to lie. Large Marge just haunted me. One of my best friends in elementary school had the Pee-wee Herman doll. Speaking of the Pee-wee Herman doll, his cameo would be come into the form of a Pee-wee Herman doll in Elvira's dressing room because he couldn't actually do a cameo. Oh, was their doll? I didn't even catch that. 
I love that dressing room. Oh, I can't wait to talk about the dressing room. So on top of all of these cameos, Peterson was hiring everybody she knew. And I love that. So it also included her parents playing extras, her assistant as a game show girl, a motorcycle cop being played by her ex-boyfriend, who she had posed for in the 1974 Playgirl magazine spread, Ooh. which included like sexy hot aliens. Really? I need yeah. that. If anybody has that, I want it. The role of Uncle Vinny was written specifically for Vincent Price, but he would pass due to the racy material. Really? Right? I said the same thing, but I would have loved to have seen Vincent Price in this. I would have loved, loved, loved to have seen it. I, I just thought it was a nod because of the Uncle Vinny. I was like, oh, they're just like referencing Vincent Price. I didn't realize they had written it specifically for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was also another character, the character of Bob who was named after Robert Redding. His death in 1986 was a crushing blow to Peterson. He was a collaborator for Elvira's look, and he also painted the portrait, which was used for Morgana Talbot in the film. He was also the one who had styled her wigs. And after his passing, Peterson became very unhappy with the wig appearances and later admitted that she was a little too harsh on the film's wig stylist. And that just, that, that hurts. That hurts a lot, though. I think that's a wonderful tribute. There's also in a memory of for Robert Redding at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. So there was just so much love for that. And that's so unfortunate. And I find it hilarious and wonderful that she made the character that Elvira fa- like fawns after. The one that she, the, the, the yeah. person that she loved so much. It's so fun. Oh, that's so sad. Her like co-collaborator. Mm-hmm. That's so, I love that she played memory of him. She also, I didn't include it, but... One of the people that was included who was impossible to run for one of the teenagers was Brad Pitt. He was one of the final two, but unfortunately, if I was like, no, if he's casted, I wouldn't be going after Bob. I'd be going after this <gasps> motherfucker. She's like, she's so shit. No, gotta pass. He's too good looking. He's too good looking. Filming was shot over a span of eight weeks between January and March of 1988. Literally on my birthday. <laughs> It was filmed between different sets in Montrose, California, and most infamously on the Warner Brothers back lot. Avira's house is known as the Allison slash Harvey house on the back lot. It's Gabrielle Solis' house from Desperate Housewives, but that's on the Universal lot. She filmed both. Oh, Universal and um, Warner Brothers? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Damn, girl. Get it. 7.5 million. I, we are as fucking i am a i don't care i don't care if i know that it's a set i don't care i don't care (laughs) i don't care i love anything that is filmed on the universal warner brothers set period Mm period period there's just a history there to it that like i so much history that i have so much respect for so whenever i can notice it it makes me so happy it makes me so and this whole town is a set this is the gilmore girls yeah, I kind of figure it looks too like picturesque and small. I, that just explains why I love it because I too am a huge like nut for the Universal backlot and the uh. Warner Brothers backlot. So anytime that we get a movie back there, it's just it's always for like a like a picturesque town, and I love it. So for post production, quickly something to be noted is the film soundtrack. Many well-known songs were used in the film, but to avoid costly licensing fees, they were covered by stock singers, which is why you're like, oh, why does this sound like Maniac, but different? It <laughs> it's the kids' bot version. Oh, don't. Don't you dare. Bye, pumpkin. Bye, pumpkin. For our fun fact, we have one of the most infamous issues on set was Elvira's co-star, 
Binny, a temperamental poodle that did not like anyone except its trainer. Peterson would not allow permanent dye to be used on the poodle, and so they had to use a vegetable dye mixture that had to be touched up frequently, daily, consistently. Mm -hmm. And the dog also had trouble hitting its marks, did not perform them properly, and actually attacked one of the <gasps> actors where they still have a scar on their ankle, little ankle biter. So not to mention entire scenes had to be dubbed completely to mute out the trainer's oh. commands to let the dog do the thing. No, just no, this sounds like too much trouble for not much payoff. I like the dog, you need to have a, what do they call it? A familiar. A familiar. You need to have a familiar when it comes to I vampires. I forgot that there's a plot point with the dog. You're right. Well, she got a better dog. <laughs> but that makeover is interesting. <laughs> Choices. Choices. Are you ready? Speaking of choices. I knew it. I knew that was going to be your segue. <laughs> let's go make some choices. We'll be right back after these messages. Our movie opens with a 1950s black and white creature feature. When it ends, our hostess with the biggest cupcakes I've ever seen grace our screens. What? Cupcakes? Hostess. Hostess cupcakes? Wow. Was that crickets? All right. It was crickets. Let me change it if you want. I thought it was funny. Guess you got to know your audience. Maybe I have something to call it. Audience, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Give yourself another option then. Rewind. Our movie opens with the 1950 black and white creature feature. When it ends, our hostess with the biggest bazongas to ever grace our screens, we meet our main character, Elvira. On the set of her show, as she rips into the movie they've just finished watching. As she continues to rip the movie to shreds, her producer is telling her behind camera to wrap it up. When she finally says her goodbye to her audience, a giant map is dropped in front of her as the crew quick changes sets to the news. Avira tries to head backstage to change, but her producer insists she meet the new owner of the TV channel. After he makes some really gross passes at Elvira, she says she's not interested. When he grabs her, he reads him the house down boots and shoves him into the news anchor's desk where they're on air. The Texas tycoon exclaims, I thought you said she was a nympho. <laughs> the great opening. This is such a fun opening. I love that we start with this like 1950s black and white really bad creature feature with like this obviously like a man in a rubber suit and then when it like it ends like a love story like the man and the woman kiss and when it ends over i was very beautifully sprawled out on her couch and she's just like ugh, ugh, like it was a terrible movie did you see that and then she just starts ripping into it it's literally us you're absolutely right. I think that's why we love Elvira so much. It's what we do. We like to watch shitty movies and talk shit about them. She's fantastic. I will say this opener goes on longer than I actually thought it would because this movie just goes, 1950s movie, we're in a new studio. This is Elvira. There you go. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> Everything about her is fantastic. Everything about this news channel is fantastic. She does not stop with the one-liners, y'all. The zingers are coming. She's the girl with the enormous... Ratings. <laughs> that cheesy monster looked like a Gumby on steroids. And she's so good. She's so fast. She's so fast. She's very quick-witted. And, she is. And it, like you said, it doesn't stop once the camera's turned off. It's just part of her being. And I love it. And I think that's why this movie may not be for everybody. Because if you don't like Elvira, I guess you just don't like Elvira. Just get ready because this is a whole fucking movie. But I, th- I like that right out the gate, she introduces 
the audience to what we know her as and like okay this is the girl that you know behind the tv screen we did all the stuff that you know her for now we're gonna go and do new stuff because she immediately also does her closer this is alvira the girl that put boo back into boob tube unpleasant dreams and it's wonderful we yay she said uh-huh. it immediately these jokes come at a mile a minute a mm-hmm. mile a minute i love that as soon as the show's over the news drop like drops right in front of her face they start rolling her shit out they're bringing in the news anchors and when the other when the daytime like news anchors come by she comments on her wardrobe and her tits and Elvira reads her back it's hilarious and it just shows that like the studio really doesn't care about her like she's the least of the worries the prime time news is where the money's at it's so good it's so good then we get Doug Dimmadome the owner of the Doug's Doug Dugdale Dimmadome is that really what it's called? No, it's from oh. Fairly Odd Parents because Fairly Odd Parents has a guy that looks just like this guy. Oh, I know guy. What you're talking about. I know you're talking <laughs> Doug about. Dimmadome, the owner of the Doug Dell Dimmadome. <laughs> He's foul. He immediately is just like, it's milk in time. Also, is no one going to call in this producer who is literally trying to pimp out Elvira? I know. I mean, hello, oh this my is God. decades well Time and place. Movement, so, you know, this was like... I don't want, this is not that pod. This is not that pod. It's just, sorry. <laughs> I love that you put in here that she reads him the house down boots because she does. She, but her last thing that she says to him is hilarious. Besides the fact that she calls him a lard in a- Are you talking about the lard in a 10 gallon hat? What the <laughs> fuck? She also tells him, I'm gonna tie your weenie in a granny knot. <laughs> Don't f with Elvira. She carries a knife. I love it. I love it. Just because she likes to have sex and she dresses the way that she dresses does not invite any unwanted mm-hmm. sexual advances, assholes. Leave Great. her alone. Sent. Bam. Elvira storms to her dressing room and begins packing up her things as her manager begs her not to leave. She explains that she's got her hot new show in Vegas and doesn't need to work for that pervert. Her manager interjects with a slight problem with the show. The Flamingo wants money to produce the show. $50,000 to be exact. As Avira has an existential crisis, she gets a telegram informing her that her great aunt has passed away and left her something in her will. This news sends Elvira into a daydream in which she inherits her great aunt's fortune, which includes, but is not limited to, a Jeep Wrangler, Ooh. a dining set, <gasps> and lots and lots of money. <laughs> oh my God. She is shaken out of her dream by her manager and she tells him to call the Flamingo and tell them she will have the money when she gets back from Massachusetts. We get a great montage of close-ups of Elvira's car and its many embellishments as she proceeds to head east and we finally get a title card. Seriously, finally. Like, this opening is a lot longer than I was expecting. It's not bad. It's just I, I was un, I was ill-prepared. Yes, as usual. Her dressing room. This is it, Jackie. I've been telling you for months. This is how I want the break room to look, but you keep telling me no. You don't have the budget you've seen the carpet stop dropping blue shit gunk stuff on the floor (laughs) i would never throw a barf in your urn bren but i love the design of this dressing room i think it's my favorite set that i don't want to say i don't like right out the gate like this is my favorite set but this is my favorite set it's so cool i love overtly abundance 
of designs. I know it's like one of your least favorite things coming from a production designer standpoint of like, if it's unnecessary, you don't like it. It's kind of how you felt about like House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But this is great. I also looked into it because apparently she doesn't have enough money for her new show in Vegas, The Flamingo. She needs $50,000. How dare she? Oh my God, she just quit her job. Do you know, counting for inflation, this is $120,000 in today's money. Oh my God. I know. Well, it's a good thing she's got that dead end. You need to leave. Is that timing or what? (laughs) (laughs) I love these moments. It's going to be a continued motif of her just looking into the camera and her breaking the fourth wall. I fuck love it. I love it. Give me a close up of that beautiful face. Exactly. Painted for the gods. Um, and I love the scene where she immediately like dips into a daydream and the set comes apart and all of a sudden she's like on the price is right and it's like tell her what she's won and it's like it's spilling out the Jeep Wrangler which you know was hot in the late 80s 90s oh do you want to get the line because it's so funny you'll drive home in a brand new Jeep Wrangler oh I needed one of those (laughs) it's my favorite (laughs) this woman just at constantly turning shit out. It's so good. It's so good. And she finds, she decides, okay, I'm going to go visit this grandma. I'm going to go get this money that I deserve. And she gets in. I would love to have this car. I'm not a car person. We, I, I couldn't tell you what cars are. I just know that I turn it on. I know where to put the gas and I know where to put the key. That's it. This um, is an amazing car. Stunning. It matches her completely because it's totally embellished much like she is it's all chrome it's uh, black it's uh, goth i love it the 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 barbed wire rear view mirror mm-hmm. the like chain steering wheel with a skull uh, and like her jewel changer. i love that they show you this ring that surprisingly enough becomes important by the end of the movie it's (laughs) so it's just so fun this movie immediately starts out the gate with comedy like this is straight camp camp Mm -hmm. camp camp dressed as a goth it's us (laughs) (laughs) it is it is this is that's literally what happened by the end of this episode i'm like oh our whole life makes sense now We get a montage of her journey. She gets pulled over by a cop for speeding. She tries to crack a joke to get out of it, but it fails flat, again. Later on her track, she pulls over for some gas where she is ignored by the attendant. When she puts the pump back, it falls spilling gas everywhere. As she pulls out, the attendant heads back inside and unknowingly throws his lit cigarette and the spilled gas blowing up the pump. It gives us a very cool explosion. With Elvira driving away, we get one of the one of the iconic lines that's still uttered to this day. I think I heard this on Drag Race maybe two seasons ago. Do you know you were going 50 in a 25 mile an hour zone? No, but if you have a few bars, I can fake it. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, joke never works. (laughs) And then she throws it into a pile of speeding tickets, the sight gags in this this movie. Unpaid speeding tickets. After her road trip montage, Elvira finally arrives in the small Massachusetts town of Falwell with a bang, blaring music, and an overheating car. As she rolls in, she gains the attention of the locals, and they all come over to investigate the commotion she's caused with her crash. 
She's immediately told to leave that she doesn't fit in with their small town charm by local Karen, Chastity Pariah. Yes, that's her name in the movie. I'm not making it up. I love Elvira her. yet again destroys her with her words and enlists the help of horny teenagers to help push her car to the local garage. At the garage, we get no diagnosis on the car, just that Elvira is stuck there. She heads over to the cozy cot, the only motel in town. When she walks in, the owner, Mrs. Meeker, immediately tells her that there's no vacancies. Mr. Meeker ruins her plans when he reminds her that a vacancy just opened up after the trucker with the bad skin just checked out. The Meeker's daughter, Robin, comes downstairs when her mother stops her and scolds her for wearing makeup. She makes Robin show Elvira to her room while Elvira gives her a pep talk and asks her where she can have some fun. Robin points her to the local bowling alley, which can get pretty rowdy on some nights. Okay, now I feel like the story's picking up. This is where we're coming into. I love a fish out of water or like an outsider comes to a cozy small town type of story. I'm a sucker Mm -hmm. for it. Disney Channel loves it. This is fan. (laughs) fantastic because i i think the reason why it just it works and it continues to work for me is that she is hilarious she is the moment she's the only icon and having her into an area where people are christian and white is hilarious it is hilarious hey chastity pariah the name the The, name welcome to the stage chastity pariah (laughs) i had to look it up i was like where did i really chastity pariah (laughs) i love it and i love the like immediate disgust she has with Elvira as soon as she sees her you're not welcome here you don't fit in we don't need your kind here Uh, when Elvira defends herself it's always justified especially later on in the movie Mm -hmm. it's the line listen sister if I want your opinion I'll beat it out of you beat that bitch (laughs) hit that bitch in the face I love Elvira and she enlists the horny teens these teens are horrible I'll mention why later but the line that kills me is wow look at those gazongas (laughs) <laughs> yabos if you will Look, those yabos max and then she goes over to the local only motel in town the cozy cot run by the meekers who are this old jaded couple who hate each other but still are in a marriage and they have this somewhat young daughter the daughter is very young i don't believe for a second that mrs meeker had that daughter when she was 65 her daughter aged her. I, it's just <laughs> as kids do. As kids do. <laughs> I hate. I hate her. I hate Mrs. Meeker. But just credit to the actress. I just. I don't yeah. like her. I, I've met Mrs. Meeker before, and I want to hit her. I'm gonna trip her. Trip deal. Just do it. Just do it. And she shames her daughter, essentially calling her a whore for wearing like tinted <laughs> chapstick. <laughs> She can't. She's got to think about Jesus. But Elvira finally checking in. We, Mrs. Meeker, do it's, why? It's cash up front. I know what you pinko heavy metal weirdos do to hotel rooms. I read all about it in the Star. It's th- that small town charm. Gotta love it. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. It's just this is just great juxtaposition, and this is where the comedy really comes into play. And I have to mention, as it continues on the horror then starts bubbling. Then we finally start getting the horror elements. So I'm really interested to see where your percentage comes in at the end of this, at the end of the movie, when we punch it into the 80s supercomputer. 
Um, true, true, true. Because right now, especially for those of you who have never seen this movie before, it does take a minute for it to get scary. Because we had a little taste of horror in the beginning with the 1950s, like, black and white sci-fi movie. Yeah. And then, but since then, it's been straight comedy. And oh, it's yeah. still comedy. So, like you said, it doesn't, we don't get very much horror until later on. And it's fantastic. The only other note that I really want to give is that what I like about the script, and it's so 80s, like, we're going to learn a lesson, kind of. Elvira is here to shake things up. She's here to, like, encourage these kids, just, like, explore, be yourself. At one point, she's like, yeah, I used to get a lot of stuff from the nuns when I used to wear makeup. Of course, I was eight then. And then it's just... She doesn't give you a second to breathe with the one-liners, but she's also <laughs> encouraging to all all of the kids in town, even though she knows yeah. that they want to boink her. Mm, who doesn't? Seriously. Seriously. I, I know. At the bowling alley, Elvira tries to order a Bloody Mary, but they don't serve alcohol past 8 p.m. When offered a virgin, she states, mm, Maybe, but I'll need a few drinks first. A couple of creeps make a move on her, but she pours beer into their crotches, which causes a brawl to break out. The beefcake who has been eyeing her since she came in comes to her rescue. They have a moment and he introduces himself. His name is Bob. Just Bob. Their moment is interrupted by Patty, the owner. She's not interested in Elvira's charm. In fact, she's threatened by her. Bob offers to take care of the damages and walks Elvira out. They have a small banter in which Elvira tries to get in his pants, but all he can talk about is the town's problems. He agrees to help her out, and when she leans in for a kiss, he hops in his truck and leaves. Where? But before we get to meet Bob, Elvira makes her way to the local watering hole to try and grab herself a little cocktail. Oh. But unfortunately, the small town of Falwell does serve alcohol past 8 p.m. And in order for her to have a virgin, Elvira needs a drink first. She's so good. <laughs> She's so good. <laughs> I love it. And the whole time she's there, she's getting ogled by the local perverts. Kaniki from Greece. Oh, it is Kaniki from Greece. And also by the local town queer, Bob, who, oh my goodness, calm my nerves. This man, this specimen of the male species is quite the specimen. The booty. The mm. arms, the, the shoulders, the tiny waist, the clogged uh, hair. Uh, I'm all about I it. need everybody to start dressing like they still did in the 80s because 80s jeans just built different. Just built he the ass to fill them out and he had the ass to fill them out. I saw his ass before I saw his face because he is so <laughs> tall. And he's leaning over the bar. He knew what he was doing. Oh, he knew exactly what he was doing. It's fantastic. I loved it. And I also read that he was queer at the beginning only because originally the 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 character is written as like they described him as a blonde bimbo a blonde himbo that's the terminology uh-huh, uh-huh. blonde himbo and that he kind of is he's a hot unbeknowing himbo. himbo and that's what he is but i read it as queer especially later on when she tries real hard to sleep with him and he's still like dodging left and right but that's just exactly. probably our experiences <laughs> we're <laughs> baby this hot ass woman girls were, were wearing instead of just see them i was just gonna say that she's over here coming onto us we're like oh my god i love how big your hair is how do you get it so <laughs> she thinks he's filling her up he's like what's the material what's the what's this dress made of is it a chiffon it's so how big as your dagger 
Oh my God, it's this is great. But he does come to her rescue when she gets essentially trying to get into a fight with Kenny. I'm just gonna call him Kaniki. Kaniki mm-hmm. and his like other friend. Mm-hmm. She finally gets to use this the little dagger that's on her outfit, but it's the line, I cut you, man. And she says it like that. I cut you, man. <laughs> I cut you. <laughs> that's, that's her her scary voice. That's her I mean business, you're gonna get cut voice. It's so good. I love it's it. So hey, good. she stays strapped. She does that's... stay strapped. It's a fake knife, but she stays strapped. You stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. But Patty is pressed. Patty is permanently pressed. Pressed like a panini bitch. She is per P-R-E-S-S-E-D pressed because she is, first of all, she wants Bob. She, she's Hard. trying to get at Bob. And then Elvira. Her, her tits aren't real. That's another thing. Her pointy cones. Yeah, she's got those 1950s bras. Where like her, she can poke an eye out with those things. Mm-hmm. And so she's obviously threatened by Elvira and she can't have any of that. So she kicks her out for quote, starting the fight. And then my favorite line to to Patty is, "Looks like you got some competition, Patty. Charlie, trash does not compete with class." Ah, it's so good, and we get a meet cute. We get more development from how we know we now is Bob and Alvira, and he's completely just uh, laissez faire about the whole thing while she's trying to come on to him. Very much, very much that. Well, because I like the line because uh, he mentions in his movie theater he's only allowed to show PG films oh, that's right but uh-huh. she's talking about well have you ever screened i married satan no well what about the sequel i married satan too <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so good I anytime love it. i can focus on alvira is a good time for me <laughs> the next day alvira is present at the reading of her late great aunt morgana talbot's will there she meets Vincent Talbot, her great uncle, along with the maid, the chauffeur, and the lawyer. Hello, this sounds like a game of clue. <laughs> the lawyer reads the will in which Elvira receives a poodle, her home, and a book of recipes. And nothing for her brother Vincent. After the <laughs> reading, Vincent drives away with his goons, explaining that they need that recipe book. It's powerful. They pull up on Elvira walking back to her lawyer's office? I, guess? I don't know. And she's walking somewhere. And Vincent offers her 50 bucks for the recipe book for sentimental reasons, of course. She takes the offer and tells him to stop by her newly acquired home later. And you literally wrote it that way. So we get, okay, so we get to the reading of the will. She's the woman I want to be. She's an icon. She's hilarious. She does not understand that somebody died. We also get that (laughs) the maid is very distraught. She was like a mother to me. The chauffeur is not awake. But I love when he starts reading the will and to my maid, my wonderful friend, you get $5,000. I bequeath you $5,000. And she starts crying and Elvira just comes in. Hey babe, what are you crying about? You made it like a bandit. (laughs) 5k for the help? Whoa. (laughs) She's the best. She's the best. I want to be best friends with Elvira. So I bad. love it. She's like, read the room, girl. She clearly doesn't realize what's going on here. She's here for, she's here for her prize. She's here to collect. I love it. Not the poodle. She gets a poodle, and I forget the poodle's actual name because she only calls it by a nickname. Algonquin. Algonquin. Algonquin, which is why she calls him Gonk. Gonk. And we also get to meet Uncle Vinny who obviously sold his soul many years ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
and has aged horribly. I love that she calls, oh, so you're my Uncle Vinny. And he just like looks at her all annoyed. Yeah, Uncle Vinny. Of course. And we get to see what else she has bequeathed. <laughs> she gets the home and the book of recipes, but we'll get to the book of recipes later. And so Elvira is walking her goth ass down this like, Making my way downtown. Stars hollow walking like fast. town. And she's pulled up on by her uncle, who's like, hey, I'll give 50 bucks for that recipe book. And she doesn't cook. So she's like, yeah, sure, you can have the book for 50 bucks. It, that's the best. I'm just going to keep saying best, so I can't keep saying that. It is hilarious. It's such a great sight gag, because besides the fact that she puts gum on his car to go talk to him, it's so good. <laughs> We have two, of course, little ladies walking by, and all they see is hot ass Elvira leaning over the car. Yeah, I'll take fifty bucks. <laughs> I forgot about that. There are just jokes on top of jokes on top of jokes. It's my favorite. It's like watching a live-action adult cartoon show. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so funny. It's fantastic. Back with the lawyer, they pull up to what Elvira thought was her new cash ticket, a beautiful white picket fenced home, only for the lawyer to point out that the home is actually next door. He motions to what I can only describe as the mansion from the Munsters. She ventures inside, growing more disappointed with everything she sees. It only gets worse when she meets her new pet and gets the last of her inheritance when he hands her the book, which she chucks onto the couch. After sizing up the house, she asks Laura how much he thinks he, she could get for selling the house. He says about 70K, more if she fixes it up. The lawyer leaves and decides to give her new pet a makeover. She gives an asymmetrical haircut and a dye job, as well as adding a studded choker and earring. Shortly after the makeover, her great uncle Vincent arrives to take the recipe book. When the dog sees Vincent, it immediately hides the book. Vincent leaves very angrily after Avira can't seem to find it. Later that night, as Elvira gets undressed and ready for bed, some teenage perverts come by and peep through her window, even snapping a Polaroid over. She comes over to the window and asks what they want. They offer to help her fix up the house, and she tells them to come back when it's light out. That night, Elvira has a nightmare about an old woman in the home. This is where we start, like, <clears throat> kind of um, sprinkling in some horror motifs, because we pull up to what she thinks is going to be this great, beautiful mansion, and the lawyer's like, no, your house is next door. And it's, like, legit the house from the monsters. It's all decrepit looking and gross, and she's just so disappointed. I'm surprised it doesn't have, like, a storm cloud just, like, <laughs> hovering around it. Or, like, ravens outside. <laughs> he also gives the idea to sell it because she doesn't want this thing. Would you be interested in selling? Does the chicken have a pecker? Of course I'd be interested. <laughs> she gets all of this home. She gets the dog. I, I guess I can get flack for this. I don't like poodles. I don't like poodles. Oh, wow. They're kind of, a, they're so not, a, I love dogs. I love dogs and want a dog in the process of trying to get a dog. I like Labradoodles. I like Poodle hybrids. I do like Labradoodles, but Poodles to me just kind of, po Poodles yeah, feel stuck I already up. know what you're going like, to do. Like they feel stuck up. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. You know like, you went better because, than me. Like, every character who's like rich or stuck up or whatever always has a Poodle in movies and TV. So they kind of get a bad rap in pop culture just because of like TV and cinema. Oh, what was me? I'm associated with the rich. <laughs> but she gives it a makeover. She gives Og Al. You said it earlier. Algonique. Yeah, I, I don't know. Now I can't do it. I'm <laughs> and she changes his name to Gonk. How do you feel about the makeover? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, uh, sure. I guess it goes with her motif, but not really. But sure. Um, like you said, I don't know if the biggest fan of poodles either. And I really don't like when 
um, owners dye their dog's hair. Even if it's safe, I'm just still not the biggest fan of it. Um, this this studded choker, sure. Um, Why not? It's not just the choker; it's the harness. It's like the full blown S and M harness attached to this dog. It's so good, and it's, it's got so earrings. Good. It's the asymmetrical bob that now looks like like an art student does now. You know what I'm talking Ooh. about? Surprised you didn't give it like the queer mullet that's like making a comeback. Oh, right now. please don't talk about the mullet. <laughs> oh, but the dog is smart enough to know to hide the book. We get Uncle Vincent. Uncle Vincent is so not subtle about the fact that he's evil. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he leaves, and we get our first night with Elvira. Pure vert. Mm-hmm. I it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to go back and watch some 80s stuff because a lot of 80s stuff has a lot of this sexual predator yeah. shit. A lot uh, of this shit. The nerds, Porkies. All these movies have some creepy, like, yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of stuff back then that was really normalized that really is not okay. Uh, this being a prime example of them peeping in on her. She's undressing, even taking photos. Um, what I will say is that I love the, like, kind of balancing act of her coming over and catching them. Not really, like, her being so ditzy and dumb and not even realizing that they're peeping in on her and just, like, well, come back when it's light out. And she slams the window shut and they fall. Like, it's just hilarious. She's got, like, her cold cream mask on. It's that, and I guess it's, I guess it has to be noted, since Peterson is involved with the script, she, this she was aware that this was going to happen. Wow, how unprofessional. Why is nobody <laughs> ready? <laughs> so Peterson is involved, so she's aware of this. So I think mm-hmm. that has to be noted in terms of like, yeah, this does get like creepy, but if she's mm-hmm. in on it and she was also a way to detect it for Elvira and Elvira like essentially pushing these little shits off of her windowsill. <laughs> like yeah. it's, there's got to be noted. It's got to be noted in that, especially since they're coming after her gazongas. And they do end up snapping a picture of her, which I think plays a part in the script later on. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So we'll mention that later. But when she falls asleep, I know it's a dream and it's not actually how she falls asleep, but I want to do a photo oh, shoot like this. I want to fall asleep like this. God, this is why we say she's a drag queen. She is a drag queen. The drama, mama, the hair, the silk sheets, uh, the lingerie. She goes to sleep in a full beat, bitch, and with heels on. I love it. And fishnets. It's so fab. It's like, it's the fact that her hair looks like black tentacles, just like yeah. billowing off. Oh, it's so hot. It's so hot. It's so and we sexy. get that. And then we start getting more horror. I will state there are certain points, especially later on in the movie. I was like, oh, this is this is this is full horror. We're full horror right now. Yeah. It's great. I can't wait to uh, as we ramp up to the it. Because this yeah, this ugh, this is these points of it, and it's so fun. And then the reality. And she wakes up for real and she's just in a fucking rock band tee. She's got <laughs> tissue around her hair, so she doesn't dent the do. <laughs> I, she's so hot though. She's still so hot. Yeah. I love it. I love. It. I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot to write that in. Yeah, we get the really dramatic scene of her falling asleep, and I love it. It's so beautiful. We're so gay. Yay! The next day, the peeping Tom pack arrive with tools and paint to help fix up the house. Obviously, the boys are only helping to stare at Elvira, and it works to her advantage because more boys arrive than even pay to help her out. Robin Meeker from the motel even stops by to help. She doesn't stay for long because her parents walk by and are shocked and appalled to see their daughter hanging around a floozy 
After a classic 80s montage of these teens fixing up the house, they reveal the finished product to Elvira, a multicolored home that doesn't match and isn't aesthetically pleasing in the least bit. But Elvira loves it. The next day, Mrs. Meeker is on a Karen-level tirade at the local town meeting about Elvira and her debauchery. debauchery. She and other council members formulate a plan to help her sell the house and get rid of her. One of the council members is also the town realtor and he heads over to Elvira's and instead of going through with the plan, he makes an advance on her and she quickly throws him out. She's unsuccessful in getting someone to look at the home, let alone buy it. She gets a call from her manager rushing her to get that money ASAP or the deal with the flamingo will fall through. So montage, another 80s montage. This is like the third 80s montage and just... Yes, we got the dog montage. We got the road trip montage. Now we got a fixer-upper montage. I love it. Elvira's like, check off every box. The finished result. Is what straight people think gay people would do to their house when they move into the neighborhood. I fucking fucking hate. I fucking hate you. But yes. (laughs) I would have just done an all matte black paint. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Delightful. It's a choice. At least they, all they had to do was knock off the cobwebs and, and dust it, and it would have been fine. That's what my date said to me last week. <laughs> Stupid. They <laughs> paint it in this like technicolor, rainbow, plaid-looking ugly well, color. Uh, it was just a bunch of teens who stole what was leftover paint from all their parents <laughs> to like paint Sorry. this. I love it. The, the teens are obviously fawning off for Elvira. Elvira is completely aloof to hope the whole thing she doesn't know a single thing that's happening it's fantastic i have no complaints with this it moves my thing along go ahead then we get another creeper guy trying to make the moves on her he's gross and i think i've seen this guy play every either asshole or gross guy in any 80s movie ever just like this one yes i don't recall um but yes he is a creep and i love that they have a whole town meeting about elvira and what we're gonna do about her the floozy a chastity pariah. But yeah, she's leading this tirade on Elvira, and which leads the creeper realtor to go over and not help sell her house. Instead, he tries to cop a feel and she kicks him out. She absolutely kicks him out. Let's talk about Chastity Pariah, who I absolutely love. She's a fantastic villain. I love Christian white women villains in movies like this because it's always it's the best stereotype. It's the uh um, it's when they start talking about Elvira and she just goes, please, I don't think we need to resort to name calling. I think what Calvin is trying to say is that Elvira is a person of easy virtue, a purveyor of pultritude, a one woman Sodom and Gomorrah, if you will, a slimy, slithering succubus, a concubine, a streetwalker, a tramp, a slut, <laughs> a cheap whore. <laughs> But I'm not gonna. But say I'm that. not gonna say that. <laughs> I love it. I love her. She's uh, also the principal's assistant in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah, which she, she's also fantastic in. She is. This is so good. It's she's is a, ra- so he's a good. righteous dude. <laughs> <laughs> she's so good. She's so good. I love all of this. Hate the creepy realtor. Could live without him. Mm-hmm. But I digress. 
The next day, Elvira heads into town looking for a job. Every storefront she walks into, she's denied. As she gives up on the job hunt and heads home, she bumps into her Boba Butt fanboy when he drops a marquee letter on her head. We get the infamous headline. He explains that Chastity has the whole town turned on Elvira and that he would hire her, but he's barely making any money running the movie theater as it is. She tells him that it's because he's screening turkeys. She says she's got a trunk full of classics in her car. She heads over to the bowling alley to invite all of her teenage friends, only they're not interested. They all live in fear of retaliation from their parents and the school principal, but she's able to con them all into going by selling them a sob story and some salty crocodile tears. We also get a quick cut away of Uncle Vincent heading to a secret lair hidden underneath his office where he partakes in satanic rituals. I'm going to jump ahead really quick because the secret lair is so sick. I love the entrance to the secret lair. I I love it. So cool. It's so good. Before all that happens, Alvaro goes job hunting. And of course, every merchant in town is like, can't sit here, can't work here, can't do that here. So, you know, she's turned away. And then this is where we get our infamous headline where she runs into her bubble butt fanboy and he drops a letter on her head and says, How's your head? I haven't had any complaints yet. Literally every scene of Drag Race, I've heard it almost on every show that can include this. This mm-hmm. line is infamy, infamous, whatever. Have it. I love 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 it. It's so stupid. Because she wouldn't feel it. Her hair is too high. <laughs> <laughs> literally, she's, her, literally, her skull is protected by layers and layers of hair and hair. An aquanet. <laughs> And then she's trying to get excommunicated by the Wasp Brigade over here and just essentially pushing this woman out. And it gets worse because poor Elvira thinks that she knows how to smell spell of marquee. It's two E's, not one E. She's like, <laughs> I live in Hollywood. I think I know these things. So she gets up there, tries to get the extra E and trips that falls on a different sign that says Uck. And so when she's on it, she's covering a part of the E and it says, oh, yeah. looks like it says fuck. And Chastity Pariah loses her god the psych gags there are psych there gags are a lot of psych there gags. are one-liners there are like jokes happening behind you in some scenes you have to be paying attention to that the actors are hilarious everything about this is fantastic there's like mm-hmm. every base covered for comedy in this movie it's because they come from this brownlings background and so they know what works and they know like they cover like you said they cover the basics of comedy and that's why this movie still holds up in my opinion it still holds up and even if the things that don't hold up don't you don't have time to react to it because there's another joke it, <laughs> if this joke doesn't land guess what there's another one following it right behind it's great <laughs> it's really good because when bob is talking to her there is literally a joke every question from alvira uh you know what your problem is what chastity pariah i thought i had that cleared up it's just like (laughs) (laughs) that is elvira mistress of the dark and those are the moves like man (laughs) yes so of course she can somehow convinces bob to allow her to do her shtick talk about movies secretly underground is this an underground film festival held underground and she tells about she tells the children about the underground film festival that's underground say underground again underground Crockett's, yeah yeah it's not, <laughs> that's the thing sure and we're gonna make enough money off of these kids sure <laughs> okay uh, teens 
but I like it. I like this idea. I love that she calls every all the movies that he screens turkeys. Because this scene is funny in its idea and concept of like, yeah, let's get, I'm going to take your money, teens. Hey, youths, give me your money. And <laughs> we get probably, if you don't think so, it's it's commonly known as one of the most infamous monologues from Elvira when she's pleading to the kids and telling them, fine, 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 don't come to me. Don't worry about me. I guess I'll just off myself. And if they ever ask about me, tell them I was more than just a great set of boobs. I was also an incredible pair of legs. And tell them, <laughs> tell them I never turned down a friend. I also never turned down a stranger for that matter. And tell them, <laughs> tell them that when all is said and done, I only ask that people remember me by Two simple words. Any two, as long as they're simple. <laughs> You're right. You are a thousand percent right. If one joke doesn't land, wait two seconds, bitch, because there's another <laughs> one coming. And if that one doesn't land, guess what, bitch? Here's another one. Oh, that one didn't land here? Here's another. Like, it's just one after another after another. And I love that she totally cons these kids to giving her money. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. This movie is ridiculous in the best sense of the word. Later that night, all of the teens sneak out of their homes and head to the midnight screening of Killer Tomatoes. Everyone seems to be having a great time as Elvira lounges on stage watching the movie and adding her infamous commentary. At the end of the movie, Elvira performs a grand finale dance. And instead of her flash dance finish, local Petty Patty throws tar and feathers on Elvira, shocking the audience. Later that night, after cursing to get revenge on... <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Later that night, after cursing to get revenge on everyone in town, she tries to make a move on her queer bubble butt boyfriend, but he'd rather eat instead. She finds her great aunt's recipe book in the couch and starts to flip through it when she realizes it's no normal cookbook. She attempts to make something out of the cookbook anyway, and when it doesn't look appealing, she douses it with cheese whiz and kettle chips. When she attempts to serve up the quote casserole, it is turned into a hideous creature. Elvira and Bob manage to fight it off and finish it off with the garbage disposal. When he asks where she learned to cook, he, she explains that she didn't. She was only following the recipe. When she motions to the cookbook, Gonk takes off with it into the attic, leading them to a trunk. When they open the trunk, it's full of trinkets and artifacts and a letter addressed to Elvira. Bob reads it aloud and we cut to Elvira's backstory. She was abandoned at an orphanage by her mother, for she feared her untimely death. In the letter, it states to keep the book safe, especially from Vincent, that it contains all her mother's magic. After a quick love spell, Avira is finally able to get Bob's anaconda. You know, she actually didn't cast a love spell. She was just saying that, right? I knew that. <sighs> keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> okay fourth fourth montage of the movie of the kids sneaking out and them having to get into the into the place my favorite bit from this montage is the little queen i choose to believe that it's a little boy it's a young gay teen putting on a secret pair of heels that they had hidden underneath their bed before they head out into the night Oh, I, it's probably yeah. a girl it's probably robin i bet they wrote it as like oh robin's <laughs> wearing heels i choose in my head to believe it's chi chi rodriguez okay so it's just, it's, it's, these aren't cha-cha heels so it's just i'm excited 
and we get to this showing. Honestly, anybody, anybody's listening, if you would love this to happen, I want to do this on Discord. I want to do this on YouTube. However, I can find a way to do it. I would love a way for, for a way for Ray and I to just sit there and we all get high and we all watch a movie live as we just talk shit about it and give you one-liners. I would have had a terrific time at this. I would have thousand percent went to this. How do you feel this whole setup? I like this setup. I love that she reverts back to what she does best, like what she does for money. Like this, you know, we're gonna go back to grassroots here and we're gonna have ourselves a good old like midnight screening of a really terrible movie called Killer Tomatoes. And I love that she's up there still with her quippy little cheesy one-liners telling these jokes as some of the kids are really into the movie. Some kids are making out. Some kids are like throwing popcorn. It's a good time. It is a good time. It's Stabathon before Stabathon. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she goes into... <laughs> to... What's that What's that bucket of glitter for? Oh, it's so cool. This is the part I ripped off. I mean, I, I got inspired by Flashdance. <laughs> Oh yeah, with her grand finale, I forgot. So she has her grand finale where she does this great dance and Patty Patty, I forgot, has made her way into the theater and is going to go full-blown carry on her ass and swaps out her bucket of glitter for a bucket of tar and feathers and completely ruins her finale. Before she ruins her finale, how do you feel about our avoiding copyright law maniac dance sequence i want to know i love i live i love i love this shit's hilarious and i love that she leans into the fact of i can't do all these things so i clearly have a body double because you it's it's hilarious you have to lean into it and she even does it in the live show with the live show that i saw her at knots she does the same exact thing where she runs off stage and then her body double does like seven, these crazy ass acrobatics across stage. And then from the other side of the stage comes, it's clearly a blow up doll wearing a costume and wig. And they just start, to, the dancers just toss her around and th- clearly throw her off stage. And she comes back on stage like all crazy, like, oh. It's hilarious. This is totally camp, shtick, tongue in cheek, whatever you want to call it. It's just full comedy at this point. It is. It's full comedy. It's camp and it's gay. It's so gay. And I love it. I love, I love. It's so good. I love that you mentioned the cuts to her doing her, her dentist because I literally <laughs> like get chuckled, couldn't breathe for a second because it's every time we cut to her, it's her literally, it was, it probably wasn't even upside down. I bet they just turned the camera of her putting <laughs> her hands up and just going, hi, it's me again. <laughs> Whoa. (laughs) (coughs) So many side gags. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Then we get, Elvira White, eat shit. And we... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, you do. I I love that she does an homage to Carrie. And she deserves her revenge. She deserves her revenge because she goes into the bathtub and immediately plots that she's she's going to get every single one of them. Bathing in gasoline. Why is it? Yeah, I don't. I, maybe, maybe that's a way to take off tar. I don't know. It was very Looney Tunes. I was waiting for the gasoline to have like Acme Studios written on it. <laughs> I thought somebody was gonna light a match. Um, but yeah, she runs because she, she comes run- downstairs and Bob's ask. Bob asks her, "What's that perfume you're wearing? Super unleaded. Oh, don't smoke." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and then we forgot to mention that she's back home by this point. Bob's come with her as well as like two of the teenagers, like one of the teenage couples or something. What's her name? Robin. Robin's. Oh yeah, Robin's. Because she's got a whole new look. Yeah, she's a whore now. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Robin's there and then she tells him to like basically GTFO because she's trying to get it on with Bob and so they kick rocks and then Amara tries to make a move on Bob but he's hungry and so she's got to feed her man instead so she heads into the kitchen with the book of the dead and tries to make him a casserole the cooking segment I love that she's still trying to keep him in the house even after he's not feeling the moves which is why we think he's queer (laughs) <laughs> and so she's like, you know what? I'll just feed him. Oh, I love men love getting fed and then f- kinda. Yeah. I I prefer the other way around, but you know, everyone's got a method. <laughs> everyone's got a method. We get to the cooking sequence. We get to the the cutest little Martha Stewart from hell dance like cooking segment. And she had. Did you spot the weed? There's a weed. <laughs> No, I didn't catch the weed. To me, it looks like weed. And I think she calls it something else. But in, when she goes, and she's reading out of the the quote-unquote cookbook. And she's starting to cook in the, one of the jars, just like bud. It's just a ton of bud. <laughs> I didn't catch it. It's so good. It's we love. the oregano. <laughs> of course it is. This pot looks positively foul when she starts mm-hmm. throwing in the worms it looks like blue cheese at one point and she says uh, uh it smells like cockadoody <laughs> he didn't get out of the, the cockadoody car. car uh yeah i agree it's disgusting and so i love that she realized after she's done quote making this casserole and she realizes it doesn't look appetizing she just covers it with cheese whiz and crumbles some kettle chips on top for some good but how does she crunch. crumble the, the how does she crumble the crunch jackie Oh, doesn't she beat up the bag? <laughs> she takes the bag and she puts it on a chair and she sits her bubble butt right back down down on it. And she's like, hmm. <laughs> From there, we get into Beetle Guys. That's so funny to me that Tim Burton was supposed to come in and he has the shrimp hands. Well, uh-huh. she has this sick, like, full... Obviously, it's somebody's same, hand. And, like, same cinematic parallels. Exists. We're pulling them together. I love the gross pot creature that she creates. This is where we like really go full horror is with this creature that she's unknowingly conjured up with her casserole. <laughs> and it's 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 so cool looking. Like this is some straight up creature feature type shit. It's really aggressive. It's awesome. It's still campy at the same time. And then, you know, they fight it off and they manage to take it over to the garbage disposable and manage to finish it off that way. It leads us into the attic where she starts learning more stuff about herself, about her. Listen, I just want to cut straight away. They put this baby in makeup in this cutaway. As she should. (laughs) Correct. I need to get to the hard facts. Favorite part. The baby has a full beat on. And it was the 80s, so I know for a fact they put this poor baby up in drag. Watch, 10 bucks. She tried to audition for, like, Drag Race season, I don't know, 15? <laughs> it's Bianca Del Rio. Oh, she's a wibble baby. Is oh, her God. Drag. No. Uh, we learned about her backstory. The, I just want to talk about her lines. The letter they find all of a sudden says Elvira, and she just goes, you think it's for me? <laughs> <laughs> And then she fucks Bob. God bless. Finally. Good for her. She's been really barking up that tree for a long time. Maybe he's pan. Or bi. Or in the moment. You know, you never know. It doesn't matter. 
The next day at the Morality Committee's annual picnic, Alvira infiltrates the potluck with a recipe from the book. Only she flubbed it when she replaced one of the ingredients with hamburger helper. So it turned the stew into an overactive aphrodisiac. The casserole turns everyone into a nymphomaniac, and the town has a PG-13 orgy in the town square. Later that night, the morality committee has awoken from their sexual fantasy and are appalled not only with their actions, but with Elvira as well. Vincent is present at the meeting to offer a solution. Burn her at the stake for witchcraft. The next morning, we cut to the jail where Elvira is being held until her burning in the morning. She has Bob get her the spellbook from home. It's her only chance. When Bob retrieves the book, he's knocked unconscious by Vincent and his goons. Back at the jail, the teens attempt to break Elvira free, but end up breaking into the wrong jail cell. Gonk reveals himself to be a familiar and changes into a rat to escape the jail cell and head back to the house. We're fully going horror fantasy realm area with the best way possible. When I think about this movie, I think of three things. First two, Avira's boobs. The last thing mm-hmm. I think of is this orgy scene. This PG orgy scene, PG orgy 13, PG 13 orgy still <laughs> makes me laugh to this day. To this day, I still cackle at this scene. It's it's pretty grotesque in the PG 13 way possible. <laughs> it's just because they're all like, white anglo-saxon protestant 80s church people and so just to see them getting freaky deaky in their way of getting freaky deaky is cringeworthy it's so that's what it is it's that horrible hilarious cringe humor it starts off fine chastity the picnic is a great success well yes it's something we can all be proud of me for (laughs) (laughs) uh and elvira decides to do another casserole i hate chastity not just for her using her chastity as a weapon, but the fact that she sticks her finger in a casserole that was forever. <gasps> oh, that is the most appalling thing in this movie. Yeah, it is the most appalling yes. thing in this movie. Yeah, she does. She and a good like uh, her middle finger too, bitch. The biggest finger. And she was like, uh, 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 what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Everybody's got germs. God put germs on here for me and for you. If he could lead you to it, he could lead you through it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Then we get the cover version of I put a spell on you and now I'm on. The innuendos, the jokes, the face sitting. It's the face sitting. It's the face sitting for me. It's the excuse me, is this face taken? And the (laughs) and by chastity pariah of all people couldn't clench your pearls fast enough that selfish whore <laughs> i love that every there at one point someone's eating ha hot dog and he's like does this remind you of anything and she <laughs> yes. pulls up a taco shell <laughs> and puts the hot dog in there <laughs> it's so stupid but funny at the same time it's so good it's so good this is the sexual humor i appreciate everybody mm-hmm. fuck Everybody say fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But once they all awaken from this, you know, sexual fantasy that they've all been living, they're all like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like ashamed. They're almost ashamed of what they've done and how like 
they've been sexually released and they can't do those things. And so they immediately want to burn Elvira for being a witch. She's a witch. A witch. She can spell. So they lock her up for witchcraft for her burning the next morning. Because and- according to Massachusetts law, there's a there's a clause in the writing that allows them to burn this bitch at this day. Poor Elvira. Sure. I'm not going to call her a bitch. Poor Elvira. Oh, wait a minute. Bitches. I would believe that from Massachusetts. <laughs> Anyways, I, I love that when the, the the teens get wind of her being locked up, they go and try and save her, only to break into the wrong jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Mission Impossible up until this point. They're yeah. sneaking around. They've got chainsaws. Poor kids. They're kids. What do you expect? What happens when you put your faith in teenagers? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Vincent's evil. Steals the book. There you go. <laughs> Watch a Disney movie. You get this part. And then Gonk reveals himself to be a virus familiar. And he's able to shift into being a, a gross, disgusting rat. And uh, squeeze out of the jail. Back at the home, Gonk is able to shift into a Rottweiler and save Bob. He makes it to the town square, but it's too late. Patty has lit the fire and the flames surround Elvira. Gonk shows up and reminds Elvira that she has had the power all along. She uses her ring to break free and summon a rainstorm that puts out the flames. Everyone scurries to their homes out of the rain just as the lunar eclipse commences. Vincent comes out from his lair in a pretty fabulous robe with a book in hand. He turns the morality committee into pigs before cornering Bob and Elvira in a dead end. Vincent knocks out big burly Bob by simply hitting him with the book, and Elvira tries to defend herself using the ring, but it proves fruitless. Vincent explains that the amulet couldn't save her mother either. He chases her all over town, ultimately ending in the cemetery, where she trips and falls and Vincent catches up with her. She manages to take him down with her heel that she stabs into his head. She runs off using her big breasts to break through the gates and run back home. Elvira gets gets ready to be burned on a bonfire with a tiny little bonfire for, for Gonk as well, which is the best sight gag. Oh, yeah. When they lead her out, do you smoke? Well, I guess we're going to find out soon enough. And <laughs> with her last word, she yells for help. We finally start going, not finally, we delve into more horror with just absolutely understanding that we're still a comedy film because we try to burn Elvira at the stake. When Uncle Vincent comes out, he is kind of scary. He's a pretty scary villain at this point. He's like sunken in, the prosthetics are on board. He honestly kind of reminds me of like Montgomery Burns during the uh, Treehouse of Horror when he's in like a red robe and like his, he's all gross looking. He kind of looks like a, like a, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, he comes out in a very fabulous robe. I would want one to wear around the house. How do you feel about the burning at the stake? Where we should have one of these every year. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's so campy that they're like, yeah, she's a witch. Let's burn her. And I love that her last word is, <laughs> But she learns the power of friendship and love. No, I'm kidding. She learns that, the, that she could use her ring and now she's got magical powers. How do you feel about that with this character? It's a little it's a little bit of a stretch. It's a little bit of a stretch for the character of Alvira, but I buy it. If her whole shtick is like horror and like she's somehow like you know, uh, this amulet was bequeathed to her. No, actually she had the amulet this whole time. Mm-hmm. But you know, she found out about her heritage and she was given this spell book. Sure, why not? If I can believe everything else in this movie, I can believe this. 
I don't feel like I have the same sentiments. I'm not against it. I need to start off right off the bat. I really like it is what I want to lean in more. I think it completely plays to Elvira. I think if you're going to bring her to the big screen, you have to elevate her in some way, shape or form in order to like keep these boob jokes running. You know what I'm saying? So that give her like magical powers, I feel like fits the tone, especially since she's a witch. And also the fact that she loses it immediately makes sense to the character as well. She like gathers her courage to fight back and she loses the ring. She like immediately loses the ring to Uncle Vincent and then she has to run for her life. That also makes sense to the character for me. I really, really actually kind of love it. It's so stupid and irreverent and her using her big old biddies to break open this <laughs> chained the gate. Gates. It's so good. We also get another sight gag. What is with it with 80s movies and doing references to Rambo? I know that Rambo was a huge f***ing deal because we see it in Gremlins. Mm -hmm. And then we definitely see it here with Elvira Mistress in the Dark. It's just another one of those, like, another film. Pop culture. That had, yeah, that had such, like, a pop culture impact that you can... It had such a ripple that it just it eventually got out to horror, eventually. <laughs> Vincent eventually catches up with her at the house where Elvira manages to cut off one of his hands. He knocks her down and begins to shoot fire from his mouth. Elvira recoils in fear and screams when Vincent's severed hand grabs her. She manages to get the ring off of the hand before Vincent is able to finish her off. She uses it to shoot his spell right back at him, sending him to hell. Elvira manages to save herself from the fire. She and Bob sit on her front porch, wallowing when they're approached by the entire town to thank Elvira for all that she's done for them. The lawyer also shows up to inform her that now that she's the only living heir to Vincent's estate, which makes her rich, we cut to the Flamingo in Las Vegas, where Elvira is headlining her very own spectacular show. We get a great closing number from her concluding with her infamous boob tassels. Yay! What Ooh. a finale. What an 80s, like, adventure RPG horror type of ending. I kind of love it. I love it a lot. It's so stupid. How do you feel about this grand finale? I think it's the same. I feel the same. This finale is kind of ridiculous. They're like final showdown with Vincent. How he has these powers. It's kind of ridiculous, but it also it works for the movie, sure. But I think my my favorite is is the finale when she finally gets her big Las Vegas show debut, and we get her fully embellished look, uh, stoned from head to toe, honey. So and beautiful. She does the infamous booby tassels because she can work those things. Like that's a talent right there. Not everybody can do that, and she can do it. Amen. I love that you're like, yeah, the finale is great. The musical number at the end. Because <laughs> it, it wraps up quickly and it wraps up fine. It's a comedy. Like, we don't really need to extend, like, oh, well, look what we learned. Even though, look what we learned, we get from these townspeople who are like, oh, sorry we were such bitches to you. Now that we f***ed each other and that we almost burned you, we think that you're good. You're great. Uh -huh. You can stay here whenever. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It's fine. Vincent gets his comeuppance. Everything concludes on a beautiful note. She Bob and she's like, okay, bye. On to the next, because that is Elvira. She's a man eater. She's a man eater and she doesn't have any time. We get the grand finale, the grand, the truly finale, because I think this is also what people remember most from this movie is this Las Vegas musical number. Because how could you not? How could you not? It's the spider webs on her boobs with the mm -hmm. spiders. And the, it's also the full set. I love this. 
I love all of it. I love the sexy hot devil men in like mm -hmm. tights. Bravo. Way to end a movie. Way to end a movie. She knows how to cater to her queer audience. Which is also weird because it's supposed to be catered towards like white dudes. Well, not just white dudes, but straight like dudes, dudes who watch straight dudes who watch horror movies. Yeah. But somehow this is like gay men are like, oh my God. Do it's you the this... one-liners. We love witty writing. We re we really do. So, okay. Then let's conclude here and let's figure out what are your final scores for this week's movie? And what are your final thoughts, feelings, and comments on this movie? Final thoughts? I am going to buy it. Of oh, course. yeah. Of course. Of course. Uh, Avira for me is horror legend, horror icon. Um, even if she's comedic and tongue in cheek, she still represents an entire community, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. In, in my opinion, she's just made her stamp, not only in, in horror culture but in pop culture as well. And I just I can't I can't get enough of her. I can't get enough of her. Buy it. Buy it. Same. Buy it. Hello. Did you not hear me this whole episode? This, it's a beautiful capsule of 80s nostalgia, ridiculousness, sex, one-liners, what the idea of humor was at the time. Like, we really don't get this style of slapstick humor anymore, like at no. all. And no. I love that style. I think it's so stupid and irrelevant. So stupid and, and fun. It, that's what it is. This movie is just fun. Yeah. Alvira is the ultimate, the only. I will support her until the day I die. I love her. And the fact that this is her first film, it's probably also another big reason why I love it so much. So buy it. Mm -hmm. Buy it. She did get a sequel. Uh, mm -hmm. Alvira's Haunted Hills, which I still haven't seen. So haven't maybe seen that's that. in her future. Oh, I would love to. But let's head on over to our super machine and find out the percentage of comedy to horror of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So, my scores for comedy to horror ratio for Elvira. For me, for me, it's more of a 70% comedy, 30% horror. That's not a bad thing. That's no, not a bad it's thing not. in my opinion. No, I love this movie. And in my opinion, it's a comedy first, horror second. Um, but it still very much still has like the horror theme all the way through. And mm -hmm. I think that's just because I consider uh, Elvira a horror icon. But even still it being more comedic than it is scary, I still fully enjoy this movie. I am actually going to give it an 80-20, 80% comedy, 20% horror. And the only reason why I give that rating is, yes, you said it. Comedy first, horror second. With this one, I feel like it's not, there are a couple moments where I'm like, oh, that is genuine horror right there in that moment. But that's not the point of this movie. It has like the tone, the reference, and the love for horror through a comedy movie is the best way that I can do that. So it's 80 20 Four, sure. Before we leave, next week we switch gears and talk the last film of our second season with one of the greatest in the genre of horror comedies. Let's head on down to the pub and avoid the zombie apocalypse as we talk Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. You can follow the queens on Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at the Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. 
my personal account is at stfu ray thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode we hope you had as much fun as we did until next week's episode please stay safe stay queer y'all tits out for the boys girls love you bye 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 bye